Good morning, Bay Hills. Grab your study guide. Last week of our series, Under Pressure, our family relationship series, turning your Bibles also to Genesis chapter 18. That's where we're going to start out. Genesis chapter 18. As you guys are turning there, there's a story. As you guys know, I'm a big soccer fan. Story that came out of Turkey a little while ago about a soccer fan uh, that was, uh, he had even a nickname. He was called Crazy Ali. And he really supported his team and went kind of overboard. He was actually banned from his stadium because he was a little too rambunctious in one of the games. And so he was having some issues and really wanted to go to the the next upcoming game because they were playing against the rivals. And so he wanted to be there, uh, but he couldn't get into the stadium. And so he came up with this plan. He he rented a crane. (laughs) It's a small little stadium. He rented a crane and was able to elevate the crane far enough in the air so he could see the game. I got a picture of it. Let's go ahead and put it on the screen. There he is right there. Uh, you can't see it that great, but if you, the, 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 the better images, there's actually a bunch of people in the, in the stands. They're not looking at the game. They're actually looking at him. The police officers couldn't arrest him. He did nothing wrong. He got to watch the game, cheer his team on. They won five nothing. Would you agree that's commitment right there, right? There's another picture of him where he's, he, this is what became famous in the newspapers, right? He was very excited about this. Now, I, I, I saw this story and I thought to myself, see if you agree with me. If you love something enough, if you care about something enough, if you're passionate about something enough, you're, you're willing to do crazy stuff to make sure you're involved. Would you agree with that? You know, I can think of no better truth to apply that principle to than family. Because I see many of you do that. I'm, I'm willing to do almost anything for the sake of my family. And it's what this series has been about. The series is about, I'm willing to do almost anything for my family. To, to lower the pressure, to lower the stress, or, or say it the other way, to increase the health. Well, however you want to say it. That's what this whole series has been about. Today as we're wrapping up, I can think of no greater characteristic that will do that. Lower stress, increase health than the topic we're talking about this morning, which is faith. We're going to look at a story in Genesis chapter 18 of, of, of a guy called Abraham. And he was known as a man of faith, not only by what he did, but by some of the bonehead decisions he also made. We also get some faith concepts there. And, and so we're going to look at that this morning. If you have your Bibles, let's read Genesis 18. I'm going to start reading in verse 9. I have uh, the message translation up on the screen for you. I'll read it. You can follow along and and we'll talk. The man said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? He said, well, she's in the tent. One of them said, well, I'm coming back about this time next year. And when I arrive, your wife, Sarah, she's going to have a son. Well, Sarah was listening at the tent opening just behind the man that was talking. Abraham and Sarah were old by this time. They were very old. Sarah was far past the age of having babies. And so Sarah laughed within herself, an old woman like me get pregnant with an old man of a husband. Now, I want to show you this next slide. There's this laughter theme that's going on in these chapters in the section of of Genesis. So we we have Genesis 18, the chapter, the verse where you just read, Sarah laughs. There's no way I'm going to get pregnant. This chapter just before, Genesis 17, same situation. Uh, it is prophesied that Abraham and, and Sarah are going to have a baby. The promise is given by God, and Abraham laughs. There's no way I'm going I'm to have that happen. And then in Genesis chapter 21, 
You see it on the screen. Sarah says in verse 6, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Now, you go, what the heck is going on here? Well, let me just do a little social experiment to help explain. Just just help me out here. You're, You're 60 and over and married. Put your hands up real quick. 60 and over. Okay, look at how many people. Now, you see, you're sitting around one of them. What would happen if they showed up to church and they told us they were pregnant? Yeah, the people who raise their hand, they're like, oh, shoot. That would, that would. But what would we do? Well, to their face, we would empathize with them. We would sympathize with them. But behind their backs, we would laugh our tails off. Because that's how we roll at Bay Hills. We're like, this is hilarious, right? Well, you think that's funny. When it says that they were old, Abraham 99, Sarah 86. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And, 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 and yet you fast forward just three chapters. And you know what? This prophecy that is given by, oh, by the way, it says the angel of the Lord, several angels, comes true. And they have a little boy and they call him Isaac, which is just further makes us laugh because Isaac in Hebrew means laughter. Yep, here's, here's our baby boy. We named him Giggles. You know, there he is. And you have, to, you have to kind of fill in the blanks, but it's laughter all the way after that. Because it's, she can't, Sarah can't go to the supermarket and get the little jars of pea, you know, food for the baby. No, she's got to make that. So you'd have to imagine she's, she's, she's got to smash food for her little toddler son. Why? Because her toddler son doesn't have teeth. But she also has to smash food for her husband because he doesn't have teeth either. He's 99. You know, little Isaac. You know, when he walks, he wobbles and he drools. Guess what? So does her husband. He drools and wobbles. This is the only couple that goes to the supermarket and buys diapers for their son and for themselves. I mean, it's okay. It'll happen to all of us, right? It's just funny. It's downright funny. And again, when you get to chapter 21, Sarah is genuinely rejoicing and she's genuinely laughing I can't believe I would ever have a son. Not so fast, though. When you read carefully the text in chapter 18, the verses we read, that first time that she laughs, when she's behind the tent and she hears the prophecy, that's not laughing out of joy. She's laughing because she questions God. She's laughing because she's doubting God. There is no way God is going to pull this off. I'm 86. My husband is 99. Yeah, right. It's that kind of laugh. Which leads us to the first question that I'm going to ask you, a four related to faith. It's this question right here. When God's timing seems off, because listen, they've been waiting for 20 plus years for this prophecy to come true. When God's timing is off, you don't have 99-year-old and 86-year-old couples have babies. When God's timing is off and when life doesn't make sense, Are you going to trust him anyway? See, that's the question. And and, and it's at this point that you you and I have two options. Will we laugh with God? Doesn't make sense, but I'm with you, God. Or are we going to laugh at God? Like Sarah did in chapter 18. You know, when you think about it, if you just take a moment, there's a lot of things about life that are fun and funny. There really are. Just look at your spiritual journey. There's things about your spiritual journey that are genuinely funny. If someone were to say, who have said to you 10 years ago, you know what? 10 years from now, you are going to be a Jesus follower. 
You are going to actually read your Bible. You are going to go to one of those churches like Bay Hills. You would have bet there's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> that was you. And look at you're here. You're here. And all your friends are looking. I can't believe they're actually in church. There's things about life that are funny. If you, instead of getting upset, just smile a little bit. We can laugh with God. Some of us laugh at God. This would be the person that hears God's word, understands God's word, and then intentionally mocks him by doing exactly the opposite. It could also be much more discreet, much more sophisticated, like Sarah. We know God's promises, but we doubt God's promises and laugh in his face. There's no way you're going to pull this off. General MacArthur was a famed um, general in World War II. And he wrote a biography about uh, his life. And in one section, he's talking about his training at West Point. And this is what General MacArthur says. He says, the class was studying the time-space relationship formulated by Albert Einstein and his theory of relativity. Relativity. The text was very complex and unable to comprehend it. I just committed the passages to memory. When I was called upon in class, I reeled off uh, almost word for word what the book said. But then the instructor, Colonel Feinberg, looked at me quizzically and asked, but do you understand the theory? It was a bad moment for me. But I did not hesitate in replying, no, sir, I, I don't. You could have heard a pin drop. I braced myself, I waited, and then the instructor replied, neither do I, class dismissed. (laughs) You want to know what faith is? Faith is when life doesn't make sense. Faith is when something, you, you, you read something about your life, you read something about scripture, you, uh, about, about your marriage, about your family, about how life should work. And it doesn't, it doesn't, you can't connect the dots because you're comparing what should be and what is. What are you going to do right then? Because faith is choosing, instead of laughing at God, yeah, right, it's laughing with God. I, I can't figure this out, and the timing doesn't make sense, and I can't rationally process it. I'm going to trust you anyway. That's faith. Oh, it's easy to trust him when everything falls into place. Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 and through 9, the story continues on. Let's put it on the screen. It says, now the Lord was gracious to Sarah. And he had, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant. She bore a son to Abraham in his old age. And at the very time God had promised him, Abraham gave the name Isaac uh, to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight years old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. There's that verse we just read. And she added, but who would have said to Abraham and Sarah that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But, but Sarah, which leads to our second question. Let's put it on the screen. When God blesses, Will you celebrate and rejoice, but also be that person who has a big butt? 
You know anyone who's got a big butt? Huh? Yeah, but pastor, I like big butts and I cannot like, no, time out. Calm down, man. That's not the butts we're talking about. I know. The butt that I'm talking about is called a conjunction. You're like, what, what is that? We went to public school. I don't know what's going on. Well, let's talk about it a little bit. That's all right. So did I. It's okay. Chill, right? A conjunction is what grammatically we say connects words together, connects phrases together, connects ideas together in the context of a sentence, like the word, but. That's what a conjunction is. And, and, and this conjunction is really big. It's a big, huge but, right? There's key, three key words in this story that you have to understand. They weaned Isaac, which means he's not being breastfed anymore. Because they stopped wean, weaning him, they celebrated and had a party, but. They weaned him, they celebrated, but. So what's going on here? Well, let me explain. In those days, infant mortality was so high that they would breastfeed a kid up until ages three, four, and five. Because even today, we believe and we know that breast milk for a child gives them health and helps them with nutrition. And so they believe that in those days as well. And so they would breastfeed basically as long as they could to try and keep this kid alive. There's actually accounts and stories where couples would not name their child until age four, age five, until after he was weaned because they didn't want to get attached to him just in case he died. That's what they would do. And so when they're done with breastfeeding, when he's weaned and he's on to kind of other food, they celebrate because they've got this idea, he's going to make it. He's going to, my, my kid's going to live. And so, I mean, they go all out and they get balloons and they get streamers. They get tiki torches. They send out Facebook invites. They have cater Mexican food. They got a pinata, right? They got jumpers for the kids. They go all out because they've been waiting for this party for 25 years to have a boy, to have a son. At one point in time in the party, Abraham shushes everybody. He's 100, right? So they got to get other people to shush. And there's a lot of people there because he's a big wig kind of guy. And he wants to do a champagne toast. Because I got a son now. I got a child. And I'm, I'm grateful for all of you guests coming to celebrate with me. But more than anything else, says Abraham, is I want to acknowledge the blessing and the goodness and the greatness of God. So if, he, if all this is happening, why the big but? Why, why but? Because so many of us do that. I, I, God has blessed me financially, but... God has blessed me with a husband, with a wife, but. God has blessed me with kids, but. God has blessed me with a job, but. God has blessed me with a car, but. God, but God has given me health, but. God is, I, I love my country, but. I love my church, but. It just goes on and on. Why the big but? Just stop after the blessing and acknowledge that. See, one of the things that some of us fail to understand is that spiritual maturity and emotional maturity, they overlap. So here's what I mean. When it comes to spiritual maturity, what you know, it matters. What you understand about this book, it matters. What you know. What you do and apply with what you know, that also matters. One of the mistakes some of us make as Christians is failing to understand what we know matters, what we do matters, but who we are and our attitude, it also matters. That's what's normally referred to as emotional maturity. They overlap, and in some cases, your emotional maturity caps your spiritual maturity. 
So if you can't grow emotionally, you're not going to grow spiritually because we're all connected. So what I'm talking about here, it doesn't sound very spiritual, but it is. It really is. Because Sarah, instead of praising God, has got something she's whining about, something she's complaining about. So what I'm really saying to you is, but here's what it comes down to. Are you, are you a positive person? You a negative person? You a, a glass half empty person, a glass half full person? Are you the kind of person that makes people smile? Or are you the person that makes people frown? Are you a party waiting to happen or are you a party pooper? Because that's what Sarah's doing right here. Oh my goodness, there's a big celebration and there's dancing and there's excitement. But. But. And so here's the, here's the, here's the faith principle. Love life. Enjoy life. Be grateful for the blessings that God has given you. Even though we, we all know, there's, of course, every one of us has things. Every one of us have issues. We're not pretending we're living in this awesome spiritual bubble where no bad things happen. I'm not saying that. Choose to rejoice and celebrate how God's blessed you without the but. Without that. Now, once you do that, now we can move on to question number three. Question number three is this. When God forgets about you. Now, notice that the word forget I've put in quotation marks. Because you know he hasn't, right? It feels like that. But he hasn't forgotten about us. Sometimes it does. It feels like that. When God forgets about you, will, will you obey God anyway? Or were you going to come up with, with your own plan B? So here's the but. Here's the reason for the whining and complaining in the middle of the party. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham. He was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of the slave woman uh, and her son, for the woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. Now let me show you plan A, plan B. Plan A was God's plan. Plan A is God saying to Abraham and Sarah, you know, trust me, I'm going to give you an heir. That's plan A, right? I know it doesn't make sense. We already talked about it. It causes us to giggle and to laugh. But trust me, I have a plan for your life. But when he gives them that plan, Abraham's already kind of 70 something. And as the years go by, they're like, we don't think that's going to happen. So, so halfway through the plan, about 10 years into, after God had given them this promise, about 10 years into it, Sarah decides, you know what? Plan A, God's plan, not working. God clearly needs my assistance. God needs my help. He's got a world to run, right? And he just he can't be bothered with what's going on in my life. So I'm going to help him out. So she, she, she calls a little family meeting with her husband. Okay, so Abraham, what we're going to do is we're going to help God out here. And, and, and so here's what, you, you know, we want, we want to have a, 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 a heritage and we want to have descendants. And God has promised you to be a father of a great nation and many nations. But that's not going to happen if you don't have an heir. So he's not coming through. So here's what we're going to do. What I'm going to have you do is go ahead and, and sleep with my, with my maid, Hagar, the Egyptian maid, right? And I know that sounds weird to us in that culture that was at times acceptable. I know it sounds weird, but she's saying, I want you to sleep with Hagar. 
Uh, She'll have a child. Uh, You'll have an heir. Problem solved. That's plan B. Abraham is like, time out. So let me get, let me under, see if I understand this, what you're asking. So Sarah, what, what you want me to do, you want me to have sex with Hagar, your maid. Yeah. It, it, that's the 25-year-old Egyptian maid, that, the one that's always at the gym working out. Yeah. The, the one that has the, the, the really nice tan, the long legs, the tight-toned body, that's the one that you want me to sleep with. Yeah. Well, I'll do it, but don't expect me to like it, you know. I'm just doing it because you want me to do that. Yeah, right, Abraham. You are a dirty, dirty old man. Don't, you could, he could have said, time out. Time out. Don't forget what God has promised. Oh, no. He's like, well, whatever. Okay. And the plan works. She's young. She's in her early 20s. She gets pregnant. She gives birth to a boy called Ishmael. Ishmael. Now fast forward to the party. You remember the party? Do you remember why Sarah got upset? Here's the big butt. Because in the middle of the party for her son, Isaac, who's just been weaned, he's going to survive. We're going to have a heritage through us. In the middle of the party, she sees Ishmael, her stepson, mocking Isaac. You go, well, boys will be boys. Brothers will be brothers. That's not what's going on here. He's taken it. He's taken it to the nth degree. There's a there's a the implication in that word. He's bullying him. He's teasing him to the you know you know little little Isaac's trying to do the pinata and he's like look at him he can't even hit it. Big dummy. He opens one of the gifts. That's a baby toy. Baby toy. Right? Because Isaac is four or five years old, and Ishmael is thirteen, fourteen years old. You know, he shouldn't have done that. Well, time out. For 10 years, Ishmael has been told, someday you're going to be the head of the family. Someday you're going to inherit everything. Someday the family line is going to continue through you. And that all gets taken away from him when little Isaac shows up. You can hardly blame him, can't you? So big picture. When we go rogue and come up with plan B, why do we do plan B, by the way? We go rogue because we we have the sense that I, I need this certain thing and I can get it quicker. And sometimes you can. But by doing plan B, by going against plan A, God's plan, I'm telling you, you're creating trouble for yourself down the road. If we, we, if we just took a, a moment to think about what we're doing, right? You're on a plane. You're, you're heading to wherever you're heading, right? In the middle of the plane, it, it, the, you know, there's turbulence. You know, there's a light, ba- the, light the seat belt sign. You put the seatbelt sign. The, the masks come down. The steward and stewardesses, they're running to sit down. You know when they sit down and click in, there's a problem, Right? Everybody, you know, put on your masks, you know, put on your air masks quick, you know, and the plane is is going down, right? How crazy would it be in the midst of that for you to unclip your seatbelt, take off your mask, walk up to the front of the plane, knock on the cabin, open the door, tell the pilot, step aside, let me take over. I think I can figure this out. And yet that's what you and I do with God. Now, I know you're qualified, but why don't you step aside 
Let me fly the plane. Really? Is that what you want to do? Plan A for your family. Plan A for your career. Plan A for your health. Plan A for your dating. Plan A for your finances. You go plan B, and I'm telling you, you might get a little bit of what you want. You're creating issues for yourself down the road. Last question is when God seems unfair, are you going to break up with him? Or are you going to remain committed to him? When God seems unfair, will you break up with him or you remain committed to him? I do not have all the verses for you on the screen. So especially now you want to look at it on your phone or your Bibles. Genesis chapter 21 Verse 11 is where I'm going to start. This matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. So you can imagine what he's going through. For 10 years, Ishmael is his boy. He's been doing Little League with him, teaching him how to throw a ball. He's been going hunting with him. He's hanging out, playing video games with him. He's my boy. And then, oh my goodness, Sarah and he have a little boy of their own. And then there's this party fiasco. And Abraham's wife says, I want you to get rid of the maid. Doesn't even call her by name. Get rid of the maid, Hagar, and her boy. Well, her boy is Abraham's son. That's why he's stressed. What? What? what you, you want me to get rid of him? He's my boy. No, I, I get we went rogue. I went, we, he's still my boy. But God said to Abraham, don't, don't be so stressed about the boy and, and your slave woman, Hagar. L- list, listen to what Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Now, God doesn't add, I, like I told you so, but he could have. I, I told you I would do this. I, I, I will make the son of the slave into a nation as well. Because he is your offspring. So in other words, I'm going to take care of them. So early the next morning, Abraham took some food, a skin of water, gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and, she, and then he sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. Anytime the word desert is mentioned, especially in the Old Testament, it's not good. It's not good physically it's, it, it, or literally. It's not good emotionally. It's not good spiritually. They shoo her off into the desert. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away. In other words, she gets by herself. Why? Well, here it comes. She thought to herself, I cannot watch the boy die. A little bit melodramatic, but not unreasonable. I don't have any water. I'm in a desert. Why does she want to be by herself? You see the concluding and key verse on the screen. She sat there and she began to sob. Not just cry, sob. You, 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 you've had one of those cries, right? Where your body is shaking, snot's coming out of your nose, and you can't control yourself. It's one of those cries. Hagar is sent away. She's kicked to the curb. She's asked to vacate the premises. We can only imagine the shame, the humiliation, and now the concern because how am I going to support my boy? She's homeless, she's broke, and she has no child support. 
Now, what I want to point out to you, and this is really important, what I've seen when some people get to this step in life, when life is incredibly unfair to them, it's amazing how many of us, we break up with God, because this is, this is how we think, some of us. Abraham, this is a Hagar speaking now, Abraham, you're a bum. I can't believe you did this. This is so mean of you to do. Forget me. I get it. I'm not your wife. But to your son, I can't believe you would do this. I can't believe someone like you, a person of faith, would do this. So you know what I'm going to do? Not only am I bailing on you, I'm also going to bail on your God. Time out. Why Why God? No, I get Abraham was a jerk. Why God? We lump it all together. And what I want to say to you is, listen, just because they're Christian doesn't mean they're always going to be honorable. Do you get that? Priests will do stupid things. Pastors will do stupid things. Christian parents will do stupid things. Christian coaches, Christian teachers will do stupid things. Christian boyfriend, girlfriend will do stupid things. Christian spouse will do stupid things. Christians do stupid things. And when we do, don't break up with God because of what one of his followers did. You're giving that person too much power in your life. You're letting them, no, I get it. I get how we connect the dots. How could someone like you who claims to be a Christian do something like that? No, I get that. But don't, don't break up with him, with God, because of what another individual did. Does that make sense? Thank goodness Hagar doesn't do this. Oh, she's ticked off at Abraham. But it's interesting how how God, Hagar, Ishmael stay connected. I want to give you two last principles. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Here's the first thing I want you to know is that God sticks with you even though others, and you see who I have in the parentheses there, bail on you. God sticks with you even when others, like your ex-spouse, bail on you. Because that's exactly what's happening here, right? While not technically a spouse, Hagar is now on her own. I want to make sure you know when life falls apart, when life gets unfair, I don't have time to read the verses, but I have it in in smaller print there on the screen. You, You see, verse 17, God heard Hagar. He heard her. So when literally or figuratively you're sobbing because life has broken in two, you need to know God hears you. Not just only audibly, but emotionally and spiritually. He hears you. I get it, he says. Verse 19, God opened Hagar's eyes. To, to point her, when you read the verse, to point her in the direction of water and nutrition food. So not only do I hear you, he's not just about giving you a hug. He's also about trying to help restore He's also about trying to help fix. He opened her eyes. And then maybe the most reassuring, verse 20, God was with them. I get that Abraham bailed on you. I get that your ex-spouse bailed on you. I get you that one of your kids bailed on you. Your parents bailed on you. Your boss bailed on you. Your pastor bailed on you. I guess that they bailed on you, but God says to you this morning, I'm not bailing on you. 
I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here. The second principle you've got to get is that when God, that God wants to bless you even when others or even when life has kicked you. It's neat what verse 20 says at the end of the story because you know, so, so many of us will come from a broken situation, we'll come from an unhealthy situation, we'll come from a dysfunctional situation, and we're like, we're screwed. What do I have to live for now? I'm, I'm a whole life, I'm heading in the wrong direction. Time out. No, 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 time No, I get what you went through and was no fun. But your past dysfunction does not have to condition future blessing. Verse, verse 20, it's, it's neat what it says there. God was, was with Ishmael. He became an archer. He got a good job. He got a good career. Don't, don't miss that last little phrase there. He married an Egyptian woman. Just like his mama. The text actually says that Hagar helped bring them together. You know, you shouldn't really go out with so-and-so. Ah, mom, shut up. You know, and then she invites her over to the house. And before they know it, her son, Ishmael, is falling in love and is married an Egyptian woman. Let me just take a moment and speak to those of you who are single parents here, just like Hagar. Single parenthood and being a single parent is nothing, something that none of us wish for. No one grows up thinking, you know what, someday I'm going to be um, the proud single parent of a couple kids. Single parenthood is thrust upon us. Most of us don't wish for it. Most of us don't see it coming. And it's not fun and it's not easy. And I want to say to those of you here that are single parents, whether this means much to you or not, one, your pastor is proud of you because I see you working double duty. I want you to know your, your church has your back and we will help as best as you can and we can. But the most important thing I want you to know is irrespective of what your pastor or your church thinks, your God is with you. Your God wants to help you. Your God can and will strengthen you to do what at times feels impossible. It's irrespective of your past, he can give you a great blessing in the future. Bay Hills, for a moment, could you just help me thank our single parents? Could we give them a big hand and thank them for all they're doing? Not loud enough. Not loud enough. Come on. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Let me wrap up. Let me put this image up on the screen. Does any of you know what that church is? Do you know, anyone know where that is? Anyone recognize it? Many of us probably haven't been there. That is um, what is called the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem, right in the middle of Bethlehem. If you ever go to Israel, you're going to go to Bethlehem. And if you go to Bethlehem, the tour will always, every time, take you here. Right across the street, you can buy all the little knickknacks made out of olive wood. And then you have the Church of the Nativity. This is where we'll be told by the, by the tour guide, this is where Jesus was born. Now, we don't know for sure. I mean, we know it was in Bethlehem. Bethlehem's very, very small. And we have an idea that was having this section, these hills, or, which is kind of more or less where the church is. But they'll, they'll take you inside, and they'll show you around. It, it's a church. It has what every church has. But then at one point in time during the tour, they will take you to the exact location where they say Jesus was born. Exact location. Again, we don't know. 
It could just be a tourist trap. Probably is. But it's very interesting, one little detail. When they're taking you to the exact location, he was born right there, they tell you. What's very interesting is in order to get to where they tell you Jesus was born, you have to kneel or bow. You can't get in without going like this, crouching. You have a picture. Some people have to literally get on their knees to get through that little door. When I was there, I thought to myself, you know what? You and I have to do the same thing with Jesus today if you want to get into his presence. A big part of our spiritual journey, a huge part of faith, is when you choose to live for God, when you choose to live for Jesus, when you choose to go into his presence, you you come in bowing. You come in in a position of submission. You come in at times needing and necessary to get on your knees. Do you, do you realize faith is, is all about that submission? Think about the, the four things we've talked about. Trust him even though it doesn't make sense. That's submission. Rejoice and enjoy what good things you have in life even though there's some garbage back there. That's submission. Obey him. Don't do plan B. Stay on plan A even though it's hard. Obey him anyway. That's submission. And and when you're hurt and when you think life is unfair, stay committed and stay faithful to him anyway. It's all submission. Submit to God. Let me give you this last verse. I'm going to wrap up with this. Psalm 55. 95 verse 6 says, come, let us bow down. Let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. This whole series, I told you, was about trying to help alleviate stress and alleviate pressure in your life to enhance health. One of the best ways to do that is be a person of faith. Trust him, even though it doesn't make sense. Rejoice even though there's garbage in your life. Obey even though life isn't working out the way you'd like. And stay committed even when you're hurt. Let's stand. We'll close in a word of prayer and I'll let you get going. Next week, we're starting a brand new series called uh, Summer Vacation. So we think it's going to be a fun series. I hope you'll be back for that. So let's pray and I'll let you get home. Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, series we've had on relationships and on family, and uh, we especially are grateful and thankful for your word this morning, the study this morning, that reminds us what faith is and how it works, and even in the midst of Abraham's screw-ups, there's a lot we can learn about ourselves, there's a lot we can learn about how to do life. Father, bless, bless our families, bless those that are married. Bless those that are in in dating relationships. Bless those that are widowed. Father, bless those that don't have kids, aren't married, but their uncle, their aunts. We all have these inner connecting relationships with others. Pray that we would do our part to make sure our little family is as healthy as possible. 
And Father, we don't want to forget that you refer to, our, to the local church as a family. Father, we're not the perfect church. We got issues, and sometimes brothers and sisters fight. Father, help us as a church be as healthy as we can. Help us take these, these principles we've learned today. Help us be a church of faith more than anything else, knowing that that is ultimately what pleases you. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen.